thank you so much, Barry, for being with me today on the Wave Capital's guest speaker series on relationship building in a team environment. You are my 18th guest and we work together at ESPN. I was the ABC College Football Live production assistant for the 2011 college football season. And you're one of the coordinating producers I worked with. Barry, how are you today? And happy holidays to you. Thanks, G. I'm doing good. Happy holidays to you. It's good to see you. Glad to see things are going well for you since uh, your post ESPN years. And uh, life is good. No complaints. So glad to hear that. And I can say the same about you. So glad that since your post ESPN days that everything's been going great for you and your family. Uh, Barry, when you think of relationship building, how do you define relationship building? What does relationship building mean to you? Well, it's kind of everything, you know, I mean, at least in, in the industry that I've spent most of my time in, which was, you know, television and ESPN, uh, you know, relationships and team building, you were only as good as your team in anything you were doing. You know, uh, we were a television show, a sporting event, sports center, a basketball game, a football game, whatever that would be. Uh, it's all about the team. And, you know, now that I'm a professor and, and teaching things, you know, from my past. I try and teach the point that teamwork is essential. You know, a television broadcast, you know, is a group of 75 to 100 people working together. And if really any one aspect of that breaks down, the show breaks down. I try and tell, you know, my students, no one role is more important than any other. You know, the talent always gets a lot of credit. The producer, the director gets a lot of credit. But, you know, if the audio person has a bad show and the audio is bad, it's a bad show. If the teleprompter has an off show and talent can't read the words properly, it's a bad show, no matter how good everything else kind of is. So total team effort, total teamwork, everybody working together, one goal in mind to put forth the best product we can on this given day. So relationships, teamwork, communication, direction, focus, all critical to success in what we're trying to accomplish. Well, those are all great answers. And I think that, you know, it was multifaceted with the one question I had asked, but I really opens the door for a lot of other things to discuss. And I totally agree with you that relationship building, everybody plays a part and everybody has to play the part exceptionally well in, in his or her respective role. So I totally agree with you there. And you were in a position at ESPN where your role was paramount to a successful show along with everybody else's role. So I'm glad that you gave a, a brief overview and highlighted all of that. When you think about the early days of working at ESPN and obviously the network was a lot smaller, fewer people worked there. How did you see relationship building then and how did it transform over the decades that you worked at the network? Yeah, you know, when we first started, it was interesting. We were a small group of people getting together every day to try and put forth the, the best sports show we could for our friends at home who weren't fortunate enough to have the job we had. Uh, but we weren't very organized. Uh, we would sit at, you know, a desk producer, director, talent, and just kind of talk about some things and, and, you know, let's go do it. I really think a lot of things at ESPN changed when John Walsh came aboard. 
John was a terrific leader who took what we kind of had and formulated it. And I, I kind of give him the most credit of kind of turning us from a, a highlight machine to a news organization. You know, he, he took everybody from the show. It wasn't now four people sitting around a desk. Everybody get into a conference room eight hours before the show, discuss ideas, discuss what's going on, formulate a day, get everybody involved, get different viewpoints, get different ideas, and let things develop. And so that was probably the biggest change I saw over, over the years at ESPN. A group of young people excited about doing a good job, coming to work and putting forth a great effort, but then somebody kind of harnessing all that emotion and passion and giving it a little bit more direction, a little bit more communication and turning it really into a, a journalistic news show, not just a lot of highlights and, and a lot of fun and entertainment. And when you think about, you know, the transitions that you and your team were making, especially when John Walsh came in, what were some of the things that he mentioned to you all? What were some of the things that stuck with you as you and your team and the people around who made ESPN at that time as you were going through those uh, growing pains, if you will? Yeah. Uh, again, some of the things, you know, the lessons I learned from him, which, you know, I take with me certainly was everyone's involvement. You know, everyone needs to feel inclusive. Everyone needs to feel a part of the show. If it's just you as the producer making all the decisions and not really asking for people's viewpoints, people will kind of wane off real quickly. So you want everyone to feel a part of it. And when someone, you know, throws out an idea and then that idea turns into an element on SportsCenter, wow, you know, you've kind of grown that person and have that person working for a long time. You know, think about the first time your highlight made air. You know, how proud and happy you were. And then, you know, to give feedback on, you know, how good it was and what we could do next time to even make it better. You know, that, that's what it's about. Get people involved. You know, John also, you know, there was a day early on in SportsCenter, we would come on the air and do 10 NBA highlights in a row. You know, here's the night in the NBA. And John kind of talked about trying to turn the show into more of a, a newspaper, you know, the back page of the New York Post. Why don't we do the best of the NBA, the best of the NHL, the best of the uh, hockey in that first block, not just all hockey. You know, if you don't have a hockey fan and you're going to do 10 minutes of hockey, maybe you're losing that viewer for a while. But here's two of the best NBA games of the night, two of the best hockey games of the night, two of the best, you know, college basketball games of the night. Now these are important. They're all big stories. Everyone's getting excited. And I thought that, again, was a really good approach to what SportsCenter has kind of continued to grow to become. Well, I think that, you know, especially being as a production assistant at, at ESPN, it was all about highlights and really capturing the highlights for that evening and putting it into one highlight, you know, it, what made the plays, who hit the biggest home run or, you know, who had the biggest slam dunk or game-winning shot or, you know, the anecdotal types of information that was really leading up to a game to really set the stage for how important that game was, depending on if it was a regular season game or a playoff game. I remember, you know, when Evan Longoria, you know, hit that, you know, home run to beat the New York Yankees uh, in game 162. And I just remembered, you know, jumping up for joy because I'm a Tampa Bay Rays fan. And I was in 
with all the other production assistants. I think there were, were about 200 of them. And everybody was like looking at me like, oh my goodness, what happened? I was just so happy for the Tampa Bay Rays for Longoria to send the Rays to the postseason. That was like a highlight moment for him. And then you're, you're right. You know, when you think back to like all the big storylines and all the big, you know, moments in, in sports that really, you know, captivated everybody at home and whether you're working at the network and having to, uh, you know, get your highlight edited for that evening show. Um, what highlights, I guess, or what games stood out to you, Barry, you know, over the years, you know, what are you most proud of with some of the work that you worked on? Well, I'm kind of proud of everything I worked on, but I mean, a couple of things you had said, you know, again, through John and some other people, we did transform from a highlight to a story. You know, we were storytellers and it wasn't just the Longoria home run. There's a moment, but that's how, you know, a highlight package turned out. It could have been all Derek Jeter. You know, he made two great defensive plays. He made, you know, he hit a, a big home run and scored from second base on a sacrifice fly to win the game. So now here your highlight package is four Derek Jeter shots and maybe you didn't see something else, but what was the story of the game? And let's tell the story of the game. Uh, you know, some of my fondest memories, you know, I, I was producing Sports Center during the 1989 earthquake at the uh, World Series out in California. I can't say that was a great moment because people died that week. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, from a, a, a television broadcasting point of view, it was certainly one of the amazing experiences of my career. We were on the air live for about six hours after the earthquake first hit because we were the only people who didn't lose power in the, in the ballpark. Our truck kept power, so we kept televising. So that was a tremendous, you know, situation. The night Wayne Gretzky broke the hockey record, you know, we, again, producing SportsCenter, went live to the game for the power play, and Gretzky scores the goal while we're live on the air. You know, moments like that, what you remember special and uh you know the rangers winning the cup in 94 being a new yorker being a ranger fan obviously that was big for me uh many many great moments and great things but just work you know the, this is sports center shows we did you know we took people behind the scenes of sports center one of the first shows we did again i was on the back bench mark summer was producing and that was the night i forget who it was but Someone on the Red Sox hit, I think, a grand slam home run from both sides of the plate while we were on the air live. Things like that, just, you know, tremendous and a lot of really good memories. Yeah, that's, that's great. And, you know, you mentioned some of the triumphs and, you know, even the challenges of having to do a broadcast. I know it was a long time ago, but it's still necessary for me to say, you know, my heart goes out to all the people who are affected that day in, in California when you were covering that big game. And, you know, when you think about, you know, just some of the moments in sports, you know, that really you remember where you were, you know, you remember where you were, whether it's, you know, a big game that let's say Randy Johnson's pitching or the game winning shot that Michael Jordan made in 98. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the game-winning shot that Michael Jordan made against Utah Jazz to win his sixth NBA championship. When you think about the three out of four Super Bowls, one, you know, with the New England Patriots, three out of four years, or the Yankees. Well, the dynasty. two they lost. 
I remember the two they lost more than the ones they won. Right. Giant fan. Right, exactly. So as a New York Giants fan, I mean, to see that, you know, in the 2007 or 2007 season and the 2011 seasons, you know, those were the, you know, wild card Giants teams that with, you know, led by Eli Manning to, to beat Tom Brady and the Patriots. I mean, you know, you think about like some of the upsets, you know, what was the thought process, you know, when it came to setting up and getting ready for games like that? And you're thinking that, oh, Patriots are going to probably, you know, win in 2007. They're probably going to win in 2011. And then to deal with the upsets and then all the back and forth dialogue and having to really, while these games are unfolding and while the momentum is shifting and then to see how the games ended in both those Super Bowls, you're contemplating a highlight that you probably weren't even thinking about before you went into the game. You know, what were those emotions like? Well, that's why we do this, right? I mean, that's what drew us to this as a business and a career. There's not, you know, the, the most realistic or, you know, reality TV is sports. You, you can't write the script. You never know what's going to happen. You know, the Patriots were 18 and 0 going on, you know, undefeated season, perfect unbelievable and you know then you get you know a crazy you know David Tyree play and Julian Edelman a couple of years later doing reverse you know you just never know that's what's great about sports and that's why we love it that's why we have passion for it it's why we want to be involved in it you know the 1980 Olympic team you know whoever thought that could happen do you believe in miracles one of the great lines in, in broadcast history but that's what it is. You, you do believe in miracles because it's happened time and time again. You know, the 1960 Pirates beating the Yankees on Mazeroski's home run. And just, just keep going through the years. There's always something that you didn't think was going to happen. And boy, you were sure excited and glad when it did that. Like, wow, that was unbelievable. Yeah. And, you know, when you think about, you know, some of the time spent, you know, with your fellow producers and on-air talent, you know, whom you worked with to get these shows in tip-top shape for SportsCenter, you know, only the best, you know, to make sure that, you know, every show is its best as it possibly can be. Nothing's perfect, but, you know, talk about some of your relationships at ESPN, whom you still keep in touch with, and, you know, how did that define relationship building for you personally because of how you worked with people and, you know, how their input or your input really, you know, again, you alluded to it early on, everybody working as a team and everybody, you know, really giving their opinions, but, you know, talk about some of the producers, like, you know, we worked with Rob Lemley and Greg Pike and Mike Diesenhoff. And then there were people, you know, like the late John Saunders, where some of my other guests had fond memories working with him. And I remember working with John, you know, may he rest in peace. Um, great guy. So just talk about some of the people you worked with and how they made an impact on your life. Uh, you know, this industry is like no other, you know, I mean, you talk about family and I think a lot of it too, ESPN, a lot different than maybe some other places, you know, Bristol, Connecticut is not LA. It's not Atlanta where CNN is, you know, Fox LA, you know, we, I used to do the 2.30 a.m. Sports Center show live five nights a week. Now, in previous years, that show has now moved out to L.A. with the ESPN studios. But for 11 years, I oversaw the 2.30 a.m. Sports Center show live in Bristol, Connecticut. 
you know, you get out of work at three o'clock in the morning on a, a Tuesday night, there's not a whole lot of places you're going in Bristol, Connecticut. So we end up socializing with ourselves. You go back to someone's apartment, someone's house, whatever it is. So, I mean, it, it truly was family. You know, this industry, it's nights, it's holidays, it's weekends. That's what it is. When I was at ESPN for 33 years, I don't remember having Thanksgiving off. I covered a lot of Texas, Texas A&M football games on Thanksgiving Day. Christmas Day is now a huge NBA day. New Year's Eve is the national semifinals for college football. We worked all those. Those are huge sports days. So, you know, holidays and weekends, you're spending with these people you're working with. The Matt Sandulis, the Rob Lemleys, the John Saunders, Tom Meese, Chris Berman, Bob Lee. I mean, these became your family. I spent more time, you know, with these people than, you know, my at-home family. You know, you're talking about a, a 10, 12-hour workday all the time, five, six days a week uh, till the wee hours of the morning. So it really was a family atmosphere. You become really, really close with these people. You spend more time with these people than anybody else. They are your family. And to this day, I've been gone from ESPN now for over six years, which is crazy. I keep in touch with the majority of those people all the time. I reach out often to Wanda Saunders, John's wife, checking in on the girls, you know, Stuart Scott's family. Uh, we lost a dear friend, Calvin Haywood, recently the last year, a director friend of ours, really close. Uh, so it, it's an amazing bond. You talk about relationships. I don't know that anything could kind of be closer than what we built there. You know, a lot based on the schedule, the location, and just what the industry and what we all dealt with. Yeah, and you know, it's unique for that season. You know, I had been to Connecticut before, but not Bristol. And I thought, wow, what a college campus-like setting, you know, so majestic. And there was a lot of building going on even when I was there, probably studios that now exist today that were in its in their building phases, if you will. And I just remember how cold it was and there were snowstorms. You're driving back from the, you know, the studio 1.30 in the morning because I had 13 hour days on Sundays. You know, I was privileged and, you know, blessed to be chosen out of 10 incoming production assistants to be considered not only an ESPN employee, but also an ABC employee. And I remember Bill Graff telling me, you know, the position you're in is a very high profile position. You're going to see a lot of interesting things and meet a lot of interesting people. And even years after, you know, working in this position, you know, you'll look back on this and, you know, you'll take a lot from it. And, you know, really even a decade, it holds true. I mean, I'm a networker as it is, and I love reaching out. I love connecting. I love reconnecting, staying in touch with people. And the fact that you and I are speaking is because I think about how relationship building helped me get to ESPN. And then it just, you know, manifested throughout my time there and since. And so when you think about just Bristol and, you know, the, the unique atmosphere, where it's located, you mentioned it, but talk to me about some of those relationships, you know, I was fortunate enough to meet Chris Berman and meet Stuart Scott, but you have had the longevity in your career over three decades to work with these people and work with John Saunders a lot longer than I sure did. Uh, so 
what are some of the things that you remember, some of the anecdotes, what are the things that stand out to you that maybe people don't know, you know, when you work with, with these key individuals like, your, like yourself to make ESPN what it was and, you know, how it's carried a legacy since? I think the thing that stands out the most to me is that they're all real people. Right. You know, they're real, honest, good people and sports fans. And I really believe, you know, why ESPN was so successful from the word go was you had people like Chris Berman and Tom Meese and George Grand and Lou Palmer. These were real people, sports fans, talking to other sports fans, but not talking down to them, not talking around them, talking to them. You know, I always tell people, you know, Chris Berman and Tom Jackson, if they were not doing prime time in the studio, they would be having the same conversation at the bar Sunday night that they're having on TV with each other that we just get the privilege of hearing. I think fans really appreciated that. It was sports fans talking to sports fans in a normal conversation, not talking down, not talking around. And I really do, you know, to me, that is what kind of made ESPN so successful. Fans loved it. You know, Chris Berman doing nicknames and, you know, sticks and whatever it was. It was just real. It was the passion of a sports fan. Bob Lee, you know, I was fortunate enough at that earthquake. Bob Lee was my host. You know, couldn't think of anyone better I would want handling that kind of coverage than Bob Lee. Total professional, total journalist, just asking the questions and giving out the information as it became available. So real people sports fans, lovers of what they were doing, passionate people, not above anybody, not talking down to anybody. And again, in the situation we were all in, you know, now Chris Berman's your, your big brother, uh, family. Everyone just, it was a family atmosphere. Everyone cared about each other. Everyone looked out for each other, made sure people, you know, again, during holidays or whatever, people are away from their families. Let's make sure everybody at least is feeling comfortable. So what, what stood out to me is just that everybody was real, real people. And even today, people who've left and gone on to others, you know, you mentioned Mike Hill, you mentioned Tim Brando. You know, I, I do some work with Ryan Burr on some golf stuff we're dealing with. Once you're in the family, you're in the family for life, even if you leave. And it's a lot like summer camp in a way. I don't know if you ever did the summer camp thing. I did that many years as a youth you know your summer camp friends you may not see them for 30 years but you get on the phone and it's like you haven't lost a beat and I, I feel the same way with the ESPN family you know I run into Tim Brando I haven't seen him in a decade but we're talking about you know times we had in Omaha in the early 80s and, and things along that nature uh, so that's what's great real people loving what they're doing passionate about sports, excited uh, that they have the opportunity to share that with other sports fans and that we, they were fortunate enough to have a job doing that. And, you know, it's interesting too. And, you know, I think about a lot of ESPN people who moved on to Fox Sports, you know, there's, there's Mike Hill, there's Aaron Andrews, there's Sarah Walsh. Uh, there, there's just, there, there are just a number of people who have made the transition to other places, local television. You know, Steve Bunin went back to his um, hometown of Seattle and 
He's a anchor um, in Seattle for King Five. I mean, you think about Mike Hill, you know, he's uh, at the BNC now. He's a host for the BNC and he was um, at Fox Sports or still is at Fox Sports. You're right. I mean, everybody who moved on to ESPN or moved on from ESPN, they're still a part of the family and they still think, you know, fondly of their time there because it really was a pivotal moment in, in their careers. And I think, as I mentioned, like, as you mentioned, Tim Brando, who's one of my other guests and all the different networks that he got to work on and working with John Saunders or working with Lou Holtz or working with Howie Schwab, another guest on my podcast. And it, it is a family. It is very exciting that, you know, we all have this common bond, no matter how long you were at ESPN, uh, whether you were previously there, currently there, or, you know, there are people we may come across who will soon get to work at the network, but it's great. As you mentioned, I think family is a, is a real key word. When you think of, you know, again, some of the um, things that you've done post ESPN, you're now with the Connecticut Sun, you're a professor, talk about some of the relationship building that you've been doing in those uh, realms and in those um, arenas, if you will. Well, being a professor is a tremendously rewarding experience, and it kind of allows me to kind of keep the ESPN and the, and the television thing brewing a little bit. I teach television sports classes, and in a lot of ways, I'm kind of preparing my students to go work at ESPN uh, or wherever they choose to work, but I, I do have quite a few former students currently working at ESPN, and it's really rewarding to see them, you know, go on, whether it is to Bristol or, you know, I, I have one who's a reporter in Alabama, one's a reporter in Texas. One called me a couple of months ago. He goes, Barry, didn't you used to work in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania? Which I was a sports writer in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania before I came to ESPN. And I was like, yeah, I worked at, I married, you know, my wife is from there. He's like, I got offered a job at the Fox affiliate in Wilkes-Barre. What do you think? So really rewarding, really exciting. Uh, you know, the kids are great. They, they carry your passion. They want to do it. They appreciate the career, you know, I had. Uh, they want to learn. They want to know what they need to do. But they're doing so much more now than like I was doing when I was in school. You know, all of my students are doing social media for the volleyball team, you know, play-by-play -play for the women's hockey team. They're working. They're, they're, they're doing things. They care about the craft. We can critique their work rather than just pulling anything randomly off the internet. So really rewarding. You know, the, the, the Connecticut Sun stuff and the basketball stuff, great just to again be in a control room or in a truck live, you know, telecast, working with a producer and graphics director. You know, the, the feeling of again being in a live sporting event. Team's been really good the last couple of years. Should have probably won the WNBA championship this year but got beat by a great Chicago team. So again, you know, it's constantly building relationships. It's constantly networking, meeting people, working. Who knows what that next opportunity is going to be? Who knows somebody who knows? But, you know, I'm working with good people. I'm working with good young people who are, who are eager and hungry. Uh, our broadcaster for, for the Connecticut Sun was the only voice of the Connecticut Sun for 16 years decided last summer that he was going to opt out because of COVID, hadn't seen his grandkids in over a year, wanted to spend some time with the grandkids. 
So now we were looking for, you know, a new voice, the second voice ever of, of the team. You know, we, we had a, a young broadcaster who was doing the lacrosse games for the Connecticut team. Everyone loved them. You know, the, the technical crew for lacrosse was the same technical crew I'm working with on basketball. This guy's name is, is Brendan Glasheen. People loved him. They loved working with him. Barry, I think he would be a great, you know, choice. You know, we sit, we meet, we talk. I agree. I love the guy. I, I put his name up front. Bosses like him. He gets hired. But again, that's relationships and that's building. If my crew had said, Barry, not a team player. You don't want this guy. Uh, we want him off the lacrosse, you know, let alone bring him on to basketball. He wouldn't be doing Connecticut Sun games right now. So that that whole relationship thing and building strong connections with people and having people talking positively of you certainly goes a long way as you try and continue to move up the ladder and move to your next level. And it means a lot to you that you can be mentors to these students and, you know, they look up to you and they see all the possibilities in their career of, you know, really doing the right things and you're teaching them how to be true journalists and, they're seeing that there are so many ways to be successful in industry if you, you know, really play by the rules, follow, you know, direction, being able to, you know, be a team player, because that in the long run is going to make them successful professionals and people too. No question. And then, you know, one of the other things about relationships, which is important in this context, you know, we know people everywhere in this industry. You know, former PAs and friends of yours are now coordinating producers at the NHL network and the MLB network. And we have people running Fox and we have people running CNN. Uh, we have people working at the athletic and the action network and blogs and podcasts. So when students or, or anybody reaches out, you know, what are you interested in? They start talking down a road. You have a direction you could send them to somebody. Hey, why don't you reach out to, you know, my friend Daniel at the MLB network and have a conversation. You want to do baseball graphics? Hey, I know a guy who kind of runs the graphics department at the MLB Network. So, you know, relationships, past friendships, important everywhere, you know, not just for you, but friends, students, and just anybody, you know, reaching out, looking for a hand. Exactly. And I just, in the past week, I connected on LinkedIn with a lady who was a production assistant around the same time I was, and now she is a uh, I think a higher up uh, producer for one of the MSNBC shows. And I keep in touch with her because I also, in addition to my podcast, I do a lot of media speaking on you know, behalf of you know, my company, talking about business, economic and public policy related issues. So that's why M MSNBC was where I was, one of the places I was looking to. And uh, a lady by the name of uh, uh, Keir Knight, she uh, has been very helpful in uh, just giving me some guidance and direction on, you know, when I should follow back up and, you know, the type of stories that her show looks for, uh, newsworthy content. So great, great examples, Barry, of how people, maybe during the time I was a production assistant, now they're really leading the charge and helping uh, put great shows together at various networks and, and, and local stations. You know, talk a little bit about your family and how it must have been a big sacrifice, you know, going up through the ranks and, you know, you're working, you know, I guess you could say uh, unorthodox hours, if you will, right? It's not the traditional 
you know, nine to five. I mean, you know, late at night, early morning, you, you know, driving home, you know, from, from the studio, but how, how, how was that, you know, in your early days, you know, with your wife and, and, and family? You know, I'm very fortunate. I really am. I, I found a, a, a lucky one. I'm lucky. I found a great one. Uh, I don't know a lot of really solid relationships in the industry. You know, it, it's a hard thing. And I tell people, you know, my students and people trying to get into the industry, it's really something to think about, you know? I mean, I wanted to be Marv Albert when I was kind of growing up. I wanted to do Nick and Ranger games on radio and TV, went to college to do that. And then, you know, boom, things happened and I ended up going the production route. But, you know, someone who wants to be Marv Albert, if they get to achieve any level of that, they're on the road 200 plus days a year. You know, it's really difficult to maintain a good relationship when you're not home two thirds of the year. So I appreciate, you know, what my family has done for me, stood by me, you know, and that was one of the reasons, gee, to be honest, you know, when I, when I got let go from ESPN and, you know, I'm living where I'm living and people are like, well, do you want to get back into the industry? You know, I didn't want, you know, I, I kind of felt I put my family through that grind for long enough, you know, for me to go get a job, say in Boston or New York City, and, you know, go work five days a week and stay in an apartment and come home on the weekend, or to ask the family to move somewhere. I kind of felt that they had kind of sacrificed a lot for me. So let, let's figure out what we could do so they don't necessarily have to sacrifice, you know, more. But it, it's very hard on families. You know, like I said, you know, 2.30 a.m. Sports Center. You know, my son, he's now 22. But, you know, as he was going through junior high, high school, you know, some issues at school, you know, you're basically on the telephone at night trying to help talk through, hey, what's going on? What are the problems at school today? You know, not a good situation to kind of be doing that on the phone all the time. So it's really hard. Uh, like I said, I don't know a bunch of really good relationships in the industry, but, you know, I've been fortunate. My wife is a gem, uh, always there for me. My son kind of understood, you know, but you, you do, you miss birthdays and you miss weddings. You know, if you, if you work college football right now, you're not going to New Year's Eve party with your wife on Friday night. You're working, you know, Rob Lemley left, I believe, today to go down to Florida to produce coverage of the two games on Friday. Uh, you know, he's got a wife, he's got two kids. They're not coming with him. You know, sometimes your family travels with you, but even that, they travel with you and you're working 20 hours of, of the day. So yeah, they may get to enjoy the Florida sunshine or whatever, but not with you. So it's really hard. And those are sacrifices that come with the business. You know, there are perks that come with the business. I was at every Mike Tyson, you know, championship fight, except the one he lost to Buster Douglas in Europe. Uh, you know, I've been to 14 Final Fours and Daytona 500s and Indy 500s, Super Bowls and, you know, great events. So a lot of perks, a lot of great things, but a lot of sacrifices and the families of the people dealing with us in the industry really deserve a lot of credit because they go through a lot dealing with sick kids on their own, you on the road, problems with the house, whatever it is, 
they deserve a lot of credit for what they stick up with. And if you could do it all over again, would you have done it differently? I don't think so. You know, I, I've learned a lot. And, you know, you talk about leadership and things like that. You know, I certainly, I think I'd be a better leader now than I was when I started being a leader back in the early days. I've learned a lot of, of dealing with people and, and how to deal with people. And, you know, I, I've made mistakes in the past, no question. You know, you know, there have been books written about ESPN. You know, most of the stuff in those books are true. Okay. Uh, but again, it was a different time. You know, the 80s is a different time than, than we are in now. And, and I realized that. So behaviors and ways I reacted back then, I would probably do a little bit differently now, knowing what I know. Uh, I'm not perfect. I've made some mistakes. But, you know, overall, no, you know, going to ESPN was the right decision for me. You know, a sports fanatic working in a 24-7 sports world was the right thing to do. I had a tremendous career there. I have great friends, great memories. I would have liked to have seen it end on better terms. I would have liked to have had some decision in it ending, you know, under my own terms in some way, which I didn't get. So I, I regret that. But overall, no, I, I think everything's kind of worked out in a good way for me. Well, that's, that's wonderful. And, you know, it's wonderful that things have worked out for you. And obviously people will look back and say, yeah, I could have done this differently, or I could have done that differently, or I could have said something in this way or, or that way. And, but that's really what makes people grow and, and develop and become better leaders and become better team players. And the purpose of this podcast is talk about relationships that you build in a team environment, because that's a never-ending process. And even as you relationship build throughout the course of your career, and even personally, so to speak, you know, you learn along the way and you learn about how to communicate even in ways that you thought that you had mastered way back when, but everybody is always revolving and there's different ways that you can communicate and deliver a message and it still be effective, if not even more effective. So I think that, you know, it allows guests like yourself to be transparent and open and, and talk about really the things that matter to you and the things that really have shaped you to whom you are today and how what you're doing currently is still helping you evolve into getting to the next place. And I think that with your students, uh, do you find that some of the things that you mentor them on is, you know, the 24 hour, seven days a week news cycle that we're in today, opposed to even 10 years ago, I thought 2011 was fast paced, you know, and I mean, social media was big then, but it's much bigger now. I mean, are there things that you're specifically mentoring your students on as they, you know, take their next steps in their journey to work at an ESPN or elsewhere? Uh, because it must be for someone like yourself, you know, everything that you've seen and all the adaptations you had to go through, um, we're in such a fast pace now that it might be even like hard to put into words sometimes. How did, how did it make sure that your students really know what they might be heading into and how they can learn from it? Well, one of the things I talk about in every class, you know, at the beginning, you know, you talked about social media. They need to be more aware of it. You know, they're all on it. They all deal with it, but they're not really aware of it. 
you know, I, I try and get into their brains that there is not an employer out there who is not not going to look at their social media platforms before offering them a job or not. So when, when you, you know, post that picture of yourself in the drunken stupor at the party crawling on the floor, may have been funny at the time you posted it, may cost you a job down the road. So I, I believe there was a woman who appeared on Shark Tank uh, many years ago. I don't think this ever has yet come to fruition, but a tremendous idea and something that should come to fruition. She was creating a pause button on your phone or on your computer that when you send a tweet, you know, you hit send, before it sends, a topic comes up, do you really want to send this tweet? And I try and teach all my students, look, the button may not be there, but have a button in your head. You know, how many times do you, you get an email or something, you're upset, and you just spit off a quick response, boom, hit send, and then five seconds later, wow, should I really have said that? Should I really have sent that? I urge them all to have their own pause button. And before you post a picture, before you post a tweet, yeah, you may think it's funny, but does it represent your brand? You know, you are responsible for your brand and your brand is you. And people are going to look at your brand and determine if they want to be a part of that brand. Do they want part of your brand with their brand? So social media, it, it's probably the best of the worlds. It's the worst of the worlds. But I try and teach my students and preach all the time. Be aware of what you're doing because people are looking and they are certainly going to look at that before making a decision on your future. So you know, it's interesting, you, it's interesting that you, you mentioned this because I have a vivid memory of talking to Herm Edwards back when he was at the network and he had the same message because, you know, I may, I may have asked him, you know, about social media or what he thought about social media. I think that was really the topic. And he said something similar before you send a message, you know, think before you send, because once it's out there, it's out there, you know? And I don't know why I just remember, you know, in life, you remember certain things, even if it's just like in passing, you know, maybe a five, 10 second, you know, snippet of a conversation, but it was a conversation I had with uh, coach Herm Edwards. And I wish I remembered what exactly the, the preface or what I was prefacing, I guess, you know, before I asked the question or, what the premise, if you will, uh, of the conversation, but I, I totally, I totally agree um, that you know people they we live in a society today, and really it's been like this since social media began, where people you know they need to be held accountable of what they're doing, and I, I remember Herm Edwards also said, you know your your life is a collection of your choices. Sure. You I remember Herm Edwards. That happens, you have a decision involved in it. You decided to get in the car. You decided to walk home from the park, whatever it is. Everything revolves around a decision you made. So I, I try and preach to, to my, my son and anyone who listen, do the right thing. It's a phrase I use all the time. You know, what should I do? Do the right thing, you know, whatever that is. But, you know, at what is the right thing to do in this circumstance, you know? The other big thing I try and, you know, the, a lesson for people, nothing is more important in the industry or you know, people trying to get a job and what they're doing than being prepared. Be prepared. Don't go into something, you know, an interview that you've done no research for. Be prepared. 
it's okay to be nervous. You know, nervous is a good thing. I still get nervous every time we count down to air. We get into that five seconds to air. I still get those nervous jitters in my bones. That's a good thing. Turn that into enthusiasm and passion and energy. But if you're prepared, you shouldn't be nervous that I don't know what I'm doing. I'm prepared. I know the questions I want to ask. I know what the situation is. I feel good about it. Let's go. So nothing is more important than preparation. Be prepared and uh, use that energy and nervousness as positive force to help you move forward. Yeah, I think that's all great advice, Barry. I really appreciate, you know, all the words of wisdom that you've instilled in this broadcast and, you know, in our episode that, you know, we are going to be putting on YouTube. So people can listen to your interview and others. And I think that really, I'm proud to have people like yourself on who really speak from the heart and who is, you know, someone who has been in professional circles, not only as a journalist, not only in production, but now you're seeing it, you know, mentoring students and also talking about, you know, how much family means to you and, and really, you know, understanding the sacrifice that you made, but that you wouldn't do anything differently because it really shaped you into whom you are and that it really put you in a situation where look at all the things that you can do now for for people, for other organizations. And it's all because of the work that you uh, did at ESPN. And I guess one final question uh, would be, you know, where do you hope that relationship building evolves to or evolves into rather in our industry of broadcast media and production? Where do you hope that the industry is going? What things would you like to see in particular? And I'm sure there are room for improvement on how people still communicate with one another in such a fast paced environment that we have with social media. Well, you know, this industry is probably faster growing than many. You know, and where it's going from here, I, I don't know. You know, I still find it amazing. And this is before your time at ESPN. But when I was a production assistant, there were no computers. There were no cell phones. Okay. When I prompted the show as a, as a PA, it was five-ply pink paper, rip, director gets a copy, producer gets a copy, each talent get a copy, and the prompter gets a copy. And it would go on a, a, a rail and you would tape the pages together and move it through this conveyor belt that talent would see. So no computers, no cell phones. We used to get our scores off the AP ticker type. Okay. You know, so now with streaming, you know, we're doing games and shows from our home, right? The Academy Awards was produced and directed by some guy's basement, right? We're doing basketball games with a producer at his house two talent at separate houses, graphics coming from somebody's couch. I mean, it's, it's amazing, mind boggling. So where it's going, I don't know, but it's exciting to see, you know, but you know, to answer your question, as far as what do I hope for? I hope that we continue to appreciate each other and, and open our arms to communicate so that I can call a former colleague to let him know I have a student who would be great for their you know, platform or that you could reach out to anybody and, and just respond. They're one of the more frustrating things, you know, whether it's on LinkedIn or wherever it is, 
you send someone a message, you know they get it, you can see the little check mark next to it. They've seen it, they've read it, but they don't respond. It doesn't take much to say, hey, got your message, you know, either really have no interest, but thanks, good luck. I mean, it takes a minute, you know, but to not respond is terrible. And I know a lot of kids today, they're applying for jobs and most of the jobs you apply online now, you never hear anything back. So I would hope that we continue to communicate better, appreciate each other, appreciate that people are trying. There are people out there who really do want to work. Not everybody in this country wants to work right now, but there are a lot of people who do. So when people are reaching out about a job, respond. And if there's something on a resume that you think, hey, they're not getting the job because of this, let them know so they can correct it and maybe be better for it the next time. So I, I just hope we as a, a broadcast community continues to appreciate the relationships we've had in the past. I'm always open to talk to anybody. So anybody who's listening to this podcast, watching it on YouTube, you want to reach out to me, you know, via any social media, you have a question, anything I can do to help, I'm more than happy to try. And I just hope that more people will be open like that and appreciate that there are people out there trying to get ahead and anything we can do to help that is a good thing. Yeah, absolutely, Barry. And, you know, I thought I was going to ask my last question. And thank you so much. That was that was great in terms of like all the words of wisdom that you're sharing, especially for uh, my audience for this podcast. Um, it's true when you send a message, you know, there are times I can think of where I'm sending a message and I can tell the person read it, but they don't respond. And you're exactly right. I share the same sentiments as you, you know, take the 20 or 30 seconds, even if it takes you a minute, even five minutes, just to say, you know, thank you for reaching out. I appreciate it. Here's how I might be able to help point you in the right direction, or this might not be a good fit for me, but best of luck to you and your endeavors. I, I just that think line, that, that line you just said takes 10 seconds. So right. it's not even the 30 or the minute. Right. Appreciate your note, not really in what we're dealing with. Good luck moving forward. At least you responded, you know, be human you know, but to nothing. And then, you know, you follow, hey, did you get my email? And they don't follow up again. It's just, it just never ends. And it's so unnecessary. Just be a human being. Again, my phrase, do the right thing. Follow up. It can be 10 seconds. Doesn't need to be five minutes. I understand people are busy. Okay. But at least respond. I got it. I'll look into it. I'll get back to you when I can. Or you know what? This isn't for us, but appreciate you reaching out. Absolutely. And I'll, a couple of last points before we depart, unrelated, but I wanted to get your feedback. Uh, one, how it's been with COVID-19 in the sports industry from your perspective, how do you think that has shaped, you know, covering sports and any words about the late John Madden who just passed away yesterday and how big he was in our industry and any thoughts about him and have you had, ever had the opportunity to meet him? Uh, you know, I probably met him in passing somewhere, but never had the opportunity to work with John. You know, but certainly again, relationships, college, Fred Goodelli, who was a PA with me at ESPN, who now is the producer of Sunday Night Football, certainly worked, you know, with, with John. Tim Brando, certainly relationships. You know, anybody who knew him, loved him, bigger than life, as a football fan, I loved him, okay? 
and I think what I loved about him the most, and what more, most people are saying, again, like I talked about with Chris Berman and Bob, he was a human being on air. He wasn't talking down. He wasn't throwing, you know, he was telestrating a drumstick on a turkey bone on Thanksgiving Day. He wasn't talking about two deep zones or whatever it was. He spoke to you like a human being. He spoke from his heart. He made it entertaining. He made it understandable. And he just made Sundays the best day of the week. So, you know, may he rest in peace. May he rest in peace. A great person from, from everyone who knew him. But as a broadcaster, certainly a Hall of Famer and one of the best ever, you know, to, to, to deliver football to us. You know, as far as COVID, uh, you know, again, it, it, it's terrible. You know, bowl games getting canceled the day of. You got fans traveling, you know, to, to go out to California to see the Holiday Bowl four hours before kickoff games get canceled. I got a fantasy hockey team that has 14 players with red marks next to it. I don't know when they're coming back, you know, fantasy football, you know, Carson Wentz, Mike, what, is he playing this week? Is he not playing this week? You know, crazy things along that nature. But, you know, from the industry point of view, like we talked about before, you know, it was COVID that allowed the, somebody to think, how do we televise this game from our house? And there's still, I believe, you know, I haven't been back to the building in quite a while, but I, I talked to people. I met Greg Pike for, for breakfast yesterday. You know, he's 75% of the people are not back in the building. So they're still producing sports center shows and things from home. You know, I got a friend, Jay Levy. He did the whack or whatever soccer championships from his house. He's in his house at a computer producing the game. He's got two talent in their house. Someone's doing graphics from his couch in Michigan. I mean, it's crazy, but look at what we're doing. You know, it's going to change the industry forever. Okay. You know, last year, there, nobody traveled on the road for baseball games, right? The home, the, you know, Michael Kay was doing Yankee games from Yankee Stadium when they were playing out in Anaheim. Why are we traveling people if we don't have to? We're saving money. You know, I tell you, when we used to do college, a college football game, right? We were probably a hundred people traveling to do a college football game. That's hotel rooms, per diem, rent-a-cars, everything. Right now they're doing these things called Remy games, okay? There were five people at the game, four cameras and an engineer. And they're feeding those four camera feeds back to Bristol. Talent is in Bristol calling the game. Producer, director, graphics, audio are in Bristol. Five people are in the stadium that used to be 100. Think about the savings on that over the course of a college football season, college basketball season. And really, unless you get the major injury, okay, where, you know, your broadcaster sitting in Bristol can't just turn his head and look down the bench and see how hurt the guy is, that's when it creates a little bit of an issue or the John Sterling not knowing it was a replay of a home run when he's calling the live home run. You know, those things happen occasionally, but very rare. And as a viewer, you have no idea that nobody's at the stadium and that the game's being produced, you know, in Bristol or wherever it is. So I think the industry is going to change forever. We're going to travel less. We're going to do more of that. It's going to cost some people jobs because we could do less. There are now control rooms in Bristol 
where one person is the entire control room. You know, the audio person and the shader and the direct, it's one person pushing all the buttons, which used to be a seven, eight person job. Right. So, you know, COVID's been crazy. It's certainly, you know, been awful, but it, it certainly also has created new technologies and new ways to look at things, which I think will change the industry forever. And looking at the silver lining uh, through everything and, you know, despite you know, all the challenges and the negatives and all the heartbreaks that COVID has caused so many people and so many industries, especially in this industry, always try to look for the positives and always try to learn something from, you know, every circumstance to just make for a better future or to make for a better uh, industry and everybody plays a part into it as long as people are you know staying healthy and safe and getting vaccinated and and keeping social distance and you know really you know following the guidelines and all these teams you know really doing what they need to do to to prepare themselves every time they compete and keeping their athletes safe and their personnel and staff and coaches and executives safe that's that's really what allows the industry to stay strong because everybody's accounted for and everybody's doing their part. And I wanted to end on a positive note. Do you have any predictions now that we're heading into the NFL playoffs in a couple short weeks? Any predictions on who will win the Super Bowl? Will it be my Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, who are the defending Super Bowl champions? But I know you're a New York Giants fan. I know that they're out of contention, but. The New York Giants will not win the Super Bowl. I know. That is correct. <laughs> right, but... I, I, I think your Tampa Bay team has a great shot. You know, I, I guess it probably comes down to them and the Packers, you know, on, on the NFC side. You know, Kansas City's looking really good. The Bills are starting to turn it around a little bit. And uh, you certainly can't count out the Patriots. But I would say right now it's Green Bay or Tampa. One of those two teams wins the Super Bowl. Okay, and then and what about also the- throw out, I think Michigan beats Georgia and, and has a chance to win the whole, I think they might be a team of destiny. I think that would be awesome to see Michigan with Jim Harbaugh. I mean, that would be a well-deserved um, way to end the season uh, for sure. And, you know, he's a coach that's been successful everywhere, you know, at Stanford and obviously with the San Francisco 49ers and, you know, I know I'm missing a team that he has coached in the past, but I mean, he's at Michigan now and, you know, he's a, you know, he and his brother, you know, really they call it the horrible, you know, when the Ravens beat the the 49ers. You talk about leadership and relationships. I mean, he looked within himself and changed a lot of things this year. You know, he was open to changing coaching staff and changing philosophy and bringing in some young blood, gave up a lot of money you know, to, to come back and, and show to be a leader. And I don't think I've seen him smile more, you know, than in the last month over his entire career. So, you know, as a leader, he listened to some criticism and he learned some things. He was willing to be flexible. Hey, he could have left. There are many NFL jobs that would take, you know, Jim Harbaugh in a heartbeat. There's a million college teams that would take him in a heartbeat too. But I think he felt some loyalty to the program and he was willing to take a step back. And and then, you know, after he gives up the money, then he makes all the money back up in in bonuses and donates it to all the workers at the university who stayed on working during COVID. 
So just a really good example, again, leadership, relationships. You know, the guy, they were calling for his head, you know, a year ago and for the last five years, and now he's back to being a godsend, you know, in Michigan. And I'm happy for him. Well, that that's wonderful. And that's a great way to end this podcast episode on a high note, you know, talking about a very successful leader uh, like Jim Harbaugh, not only at the collegiate level, but the professional levels. And, you know, that's what's great about these podcasts, Barry, because, you know, talk about your leadership qualities and what you've meant um, to your family, your colleagues, the organizations you work for, the, the, the university that you are an adjunct professor in, the Connecticut Sun, who, whom you now work for, and all the relationships you're making there. I mean, I can talk for hours with all these guests whom I interview because, you know, any anecdote can take you in another exciting direction that you could talk for another hour. I mean, it's just a lot of content. I mean, we're in the content business. We're in a dissemination of content business and, you know, creating stories and stories that really matter to the people at home and really, you know, make a difference. And sometimes stories, you know, are, you know, unfortunate endings, but they're also silver linings too of the positives too. Um, and, you know, not every story is going to be sunshine rainbows as we know, but, you know, what it does involve is real people and real people, you know, disseminating that information, telling those stories. And, you know, they're supposed to be heartfelt and moving and they're supposed to teach us something and we're supposed to learn something from, you know, these games that we watch and these productions that go on. And, you know, you've been a part of the history of ESPN and, you know, you continue to make history of what you're doing now. And I think you've been a great guest and thank you so much for, for being on the show. Uh, you keep doing what you're doing. These things are great. It's great for people to hear from the people you're interviewing. So happy holidays to you and the family. It's great to see, you know, the working relationship with you and your dad. So, you know, keep doing, stay happy, keep smiling, have a happy new year. And, and thank you for having me on. Thank you, Barry. Same to you. And, uh, Many blessings to you and your family. Keep up the great work yourself. And I appreciate your kind words. And I look forward to staying in touch with you soon and hearing about all the things that you have going on in the new year. Stay safe and healthy and take care, my friend. Thank you, bud.